This show contains spoilers and swearing. This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to one of the greatest epics ever produced. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. and look around once in a while, you could miss it. This is madness, Holmes. But to get to the warehouse in time, it's our only chance, Watson. Max started working until the day he died, and I've done a little tinkering of my own. Hopefully all the problems are sorted out. Coming, Watson? Oh, dear. What have I got myself into? The adventure of a lifetime, Watson. Antes, Paul. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dude Looks Like the 80s. I'm your host RJ McCready and for today's episode, bonus episode number 7, we're going to be taking you guys back to the year 1985 to have a look at the very underrated adventure movie Young Sherlock Holmes. So I'm going to play you a clip and I'll be back soon. Begin an investigation. Based on what? Your imagination. It was obviously a suicide. Never trust the obvious one. Uncle didn't kill himself. Before a lifetime of adventure came the adventure of a lifetime. What's your name? Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. It was a girl. Brilliant deduction, Watson. Steven Spielberg presents Young Sherlock Holmes. Directed by Barry Levinson. There is a clever murderer on the loose, and I am going to find him. I might get caught, and that would mean trouble. You would let trouble ruin an opportunity for adventure. It's only a hallucination. Maybe not. Before the legend began. And welcome back guys. So let's have a look at the synopsis for this movie. So when a group of people start having inexplicable delusions that lead to their deaths, a teenage Sherlock Holmes decides to investigate. It was directed by Barry Levinson, who went on to go and direct Good Morning Vietnam, 
And the screenplay for this film is by Chris Columbus, who most of us will know for the films Home Alone and Adventures in Babysitting, which he directed. He was also heavily involved with the Harry Potter franchise, which I was going to mention. This film, after watching it the other day, I actually thought that it really does foreshadow the Harry Potter movies. I love the Harry Potter films, they're great, it's a successful franchise, but this is what gets me with these... Um, movies from the 80s especially the underrated ones they've already been you know the harry potter series has already been there but i guess when this film came out in 85 i guess the audience just wasn't ready for this type of um, movie or genre i always feel like a, a film is six degrees sometimes sometimes it works and other times it just it just doesn't but um nevertheless it's um that's the reason why i'm here today to give this film a shout out i think it deserves a lot more credit than it actually gets but moving on from that, it's got a, had an 18 million dollar budget, and um, Steven Spielberg was attached to this movie as well. He does he's done it as a presentation. He actually got on really well with Chris Columbus. So on the whole, when you look at the trivia for this movie, um, looks like everybody got on well, pretty well on set with this movie. Everybody's really positive about it um, because I know that Spielberg won't always put his name to movies, um, such as the film I reviewed before with Three O'clock High. He wasn't happy with it, so he didn't want his name on there. And talking about Steven Spielberg, something he's very familiar with is the Industrial Light and Magic, which he's used in his films before with Indiana Jones, and. The special effects on this movie are amazing. Um, I was very surprised again when I watched this film the other day. I, I thought they weren't going to hold up. I knew they were good for this film, but they do hold up very well. It's a, it's a mixture of practical special effects and CGI. It's the first use of CGI in this movie. Um, and the introduction to Pixar as well. So yeah, I, I, you can hear it in my voice, I can't rate it enough. Um, there's there's a real atmosphere to this film as well and let's mention the music by Bruce Broughton I think this is having a look at his work this is the only score that he did for a film um, and I think it works really well it creates the root as I said before with music I think it's very important to a movie, to a movie and it, it works really well for this so on the whole guys you can hear to my induction, introduction to this film the film had everything going for it so and as a result it is as I mentioned is it it's not a bad movie it's pretty good but let's move on from that let's have a look who stars in this movie so you've got Nicholas Rowe who plays Sherlock Holmes um, He's not really done much in the movie, but it's pretty much his biggest role. He went on to go and do, he was in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels by Guy Ritchie. Um, Alan Cox, uh, Sophie Ward, Freddie Jones, people I've spoken about before. He's a well-known actor. Uh, he was in Kroll. And Nigel Stock, who's familiar with the uh, Sherlock Holmes world. He actually played Dr. Watson next to Peter Cushion. Yeah, back in 19, I think it was back in 1968 for a, a TV series. And also to mention before I get into the film, I should have mentioned this earlier, but the, obviously Arthur Conan Doyle wrote the books to Sherlock Holmes, but he never actually wrote a book on young Sherlock Holmes, so this has just been adapted for the movie. So let's have a look at this film. So you've got teenagers Sherlock Holmes and John Watson. Uh, they meet and become good friends whilst being students at the Brompton Academy in London. And let's play this scene here, you got this scene straight away. Your name is James Watson. You're from the north of England. Your father is a doctor. You spend a considerable amount of leisure time writing. And you have a particular fondness for custard tarts. Am I correct? My name isn't James, it's John. 
Oh, James John, what's the difference? A great deal. Oh, very well. So your name is John. How did I do on the others? You were correct. On every count. How's it done? Is it some sort of magic trick? No, no magic, Watson. Pure and simple deduction. So as you can tell by, from this scene, you've got um, Sherlock Holmes as he is in the books. And you can hear this is how he he's a very intelligent guy and he investigates things by very close attention to detail and they throw that straight in. But the two characters gel straight away. And you've also got Elizabeth, who is uh, Sherlock Holmes' love interest. And her uncle is a professor at the school, is Professor Waxflatter. And he is an inventor. And you get an introduction of him flying off the roof in a flying machine, which crashes. So there's a little bit of comic relief there. And you're also introduced to Professor Rafe, who is a fencing instructor for Sherlock Holmes. Meanwhile, you're then introduced to a mysterious hooded character who's walking around the streets of London, who uses a blowpipe to shoot a hallucinogenic dart into a very well-to-do Englishman, um, Bentley Bobster. He's on his way to go and eat a uh, cooked bird in a very nice restaurant. And this is a great scene, <laughs> as I said earlier, with the special effects. As he's about to tuck into the bird, the bird comes alive and the head spins around and it's like flying around as if it's trying to kill him. And it causes Mr. Bobster to crash through a window and kill himself. And then it doesn't stop there. There's a scene in the church with a reverend and the hooded character turns up again. And he gets stung by the hallucinogenic dart and it creates this scene here where the stained glass window knight jumps out from the window and attacks him and again it causes the reverend to die but mentioning this scene here I said about the special effects this is where um, early Pixar came in and apparently it took them four months to create this scene which only lasts for only about 10 seconds or so but it's a very good scene it's, it's sort of aged a little bit now but you've got you, you appreciate what they've done here in fact, I've got that scene here. Let's play that right now. So there you go guys, right at the beginning of this movie you've got these two awesome, um, well, how do I put it, awesome, but they are death scenes, so they're, they're created, they're done very well. So straight away Sherlock Holmes has found out about these um, deaths and the police believe that they are suicides, because I guess toxicology get back then wasn't very good in identifying how they actually died, but Holmes believes there is foul play involved and he goes to Scotland Yard and he speaks to... The police um, suggesting that the deaths are connected, but the police don't believe him. Later on, Holmes is then expelled from school or getting framed for cheating by his rival Dudley. You've then got another scene where Professor Waxflatter goes to an old curiosity shop and he's stung again by a hallucinogenic dart by this hooded character. And he imagines that there are gremlins, that's right guys, gremlins, trying to kill him. And again, it's another great scene. They just really do pour the um, effects into this movie right at the very beginning. And um, let's play that scene right here. Hey! 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 
But before Wax Flatter dies, um, Sherlock Holmes is in the vicinity of this curiosity shop before he's leaving the school. And Wax Flatter whispers into his ear a clue, his first clue of who the murderer might be. And he says the words, Etar, to Holmes. So he's got his first lead. So with Holmes expelled from the school, he decides to investigate the causes of the murders and is helped by Watson and Elizabeth. And through this, they uncover a cult called the Ram Tep, uh, who are a Egyptian cult who sacrifice young women. And this leads them to an old warehouse where they find a pyramid which is made out of wood. And this is where you've got the Spielberg connection to this movie, where it, it, it feels like a Temple of Doom moment where the, our heroes are watching through the eyes of um, an Anubis statue to this uh, sacrifice taking place. They try to foil the sacrifice and with this happening they get uh, pursued by uh, the Egyptian cult and these people with the um, blowpipes then sting our heroes and they get affected by the hallucinogenic uh, drug. And when you've been stung by this hallucinogenic, what better place to run is into a graveyard. Yeah, that's right, guys. Let's run into a graveyard and you can see what's going to happen here. And once again, you've introduced some really good special effects here, some great scenes. I mean, we've already had, like I say, that, that chicken on the table come alive, the stained glass window, wax flatter getting attacked by gremlins. And now you've got this scene here. And let's just play it. No. 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 This is not so there you go, you've got Sherlock Holmes. He's, he's worked out a way to sort of overcome it in his mind. It's just an, imagine, just an illusion. Then Elizabeth gets um, attacked by like the undead coming out from the grave. A pretty cool scene. She gets like dragged into a grave. But then um, Sherlock Holmes... He manages to tie up her hands to stop her from trying to kill herself. And then you've got a really cool scene here with Watson where um, a tomb opens up and it's all like cream cakes and that. And he goes to pick one up and then they come alive and then they tie him up and then they try to sort of force feed themselves to him and that. So it's, um, again, another good special effects scene. So after they get away from the cemetery, they actually um, retrieve some of these poison darts and they go to see Detective Lestrade at New Scotland Yard and he still dismisses their claims. But um, Holmes leaves him the, the evidence, which is the darts, and Lestrade brushes the darts off the table and actually gets um, infected by the, one of them, but you don't actually see what happens. It just cuts into the next scene. So later on... Um, Holmes and Watson find a picture in Wax Flatter's loft of an expedition to Egypt and it shows a picture of a fourth possible victim called Mr. Cradwich who is still alive. So they go to see Mr. Cradwich and he explains that um, himself and the four people who have passed away went on an expedition to, to um, Egypt and discovered an un underground pyramid of the Ram Tep. Mr. Cradwich, who I forgot to mention is played by Freddie Jones, he then explains that this caused an angry uprising by the local villagers and also a Anglo-Egyptian descent uh, boy called Etar and his sister vowed revenge against those who retrieved the five princesses from the Egyptian tomb. And then at this time, 
the hooded character turns up just outside an open window and blows a dart into Mr. Cradwich's neck. But Holmes and Watson manage to save Mr. Cradwich from the uh, illusions. As Holmes and Watson go back to the school, a chance remark by Watson causes Holmes to realise that Etel is none other than Professor Rafe. So the enemy in this film has always been within and is actually one of the school teachers and Mrs. Dribb is his sister as well who is the um, school assistant. But before our heroes can stop him he has already abducted Elizabeth and taken her back to the pyramid. So Holmes and Watson commandeer Wax Flatter's um, flying machine and that's the scene that I played at the beginning and they pursue um, Etar and his sister um, to the pyramid. So with um, no backup from the police or anything like that, because no one believes them, Holmes and Watson are the only ones who are going to be able to save the day here. Um, Elizabeth is being wrapped up as a mummy for a sacrifice. And back at where they were earlier, Holmes and Watson are looking out through the statue of Anubis, trying to sort of adopt a plan on how they're going to stop it. Um, Holmes decides to use a chandelier. And you get this cool scene here. So the plan works out and they manage to burn down the pyramid and it also turns out that Mrs. Dribb is the person who's the hooded character with the blowpipe and there's a scene where Holmes uses the blowpipe on her and that's how, how she gets killed. So she gets her just desserts, gets killed by her own um, device and she burns down with the pyramid. Etar then escapes with Elizabeth and Holmes and Watson are in pursuit. They manage to catch up with Etar and rescue Elizabeth but then Atar goes to shoot Holmes and Elizabeth um, pushes Holmes out of the way and she gets shot. So with Holmes in a rage about this, he picks up a sword and has a duel with um, Atar and they're having a fight on a um, lake, like a frozen lake. <laughs> And then Holmes gets the better of Atar and he, then Atar falls into a frozen, um, well it's the River Thames, it's not a lake, and he kills him. So after taking out all the bad guys and Atar dead, um, unfortunately Elizabeth gets shot and um, Holmes is sat by her side as she dies. Um, as after all this, um, they return back to the school and Holmes decides to transfer to another school um, because, of, because of the loss of Elizabeth. But before Holmes leaves, uh, Watson presents um, him with a deerstalker cap and a pipe. And he says, well, maybe we may have more adventures in the future, to which they do in the books. And that's how the film ends. But in the post credits scene, there is a horse and carriage which arrives at a hotel in the middle of a sort of snowy location or up in the Alpine mountains. And the person who checks in signs his name as Moriarty. And as the camera pans up, it is the nemesis in this movie, Atar. So he's not dead. 
and all this time is Moriarty, which is in the Sherlock Holmes book, Moriarty is the arch rival to Sherlock Holmes. So I guess I was thrown in for a possible sequel for this movie. But that's it, guys. That's uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. Um, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's it's a good film. It's got everything there. And it's I would actually suggest where we're approaching Christmas, check it out then. It's, it's that type of uh, movie for the festive season. It's a real cosy uh, movie to watch with a nice glass of red wine, perhaps. So there you go. Yeah, check it out. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode guys um, I'll be returning soon with another bonus episode which is a listener request from a friend and listener Lee Cornwall he's asked me if I could do the movie Runaway with Tom Selleck I said not a problem at all uh, as I said to you guys if you've got any requests let me know I'll be happy to um, check them out so I will leave you as I always do with the end credit song to the movie it's a really nice song goes really well with the film so sit back and enjoy and I will see you guys soon